0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? Good, Michelle. How are you today? Good. I'm guessing you're going to tell me that right now is too early in the morning for you to consider champagne.
1: It is, especially since I have a very busy day ahead of me. And if I have champagne right now, nothing will get done. How about you? Are you drinking a little champagne this morning?
0: Oh, no. I'm in the same boat. I have way too much to get done today. So I guess it's an orange juice type of day, champagne optional.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But that's okay. We need those days.
0: (laughs) We do. Our liver needs them. And I actually just finished a fantastic walk this morning with my mom and uh, her cousin, Nancy. And while we were on this walk, my mom brought up again how much she loved our episode on closets. That's what she calls it. The episode on closets. (laughs) I said the episode on sparking joy. Sparking joy. Oh, and
1: oh, that's so nice. And I just have to say, I've actually had a lot of positive feedback from that episode too. I think it struck a chord with a lot of people.
0: Yes. My mom's approach is nothing in her closet sparks joy for her right now. And she cannot wait to talk to you about it at the wedding.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. That'll be fun. That'll be a great conversation. Well, and I have to say this weekend, I was laughing at myself because I don't know if you do this, but I do this regularly where my winter clothes are in one closet and my summer clothes are in another closet. And when the weather changes, I shift closets. And this year, I think we talked about it. I practiced the sparking joy thing and Anyway, got rid of a lot of things. Well, I was packing to go on an upcoming road trip that Jeff and I are going on, and I was pulling out some of my, not winter clothes, but cooler clothes, because it's not going to be 100 degrees on our road trip. And I kept pulling out tops, and it's like, this stupid top is not sparking joy. Why did I not get rid of it? And there were a couple tops that I had. It's like, why? Why can I not get rid of this stupid top? It's not sparking any joy for me. And I hate this top. And yet it's still on the hanger in my closet. And I just laughed because I thought, okay, I need to be a little more critical of my closet and really follow that sparking joy philosophy. Because, yeah, it's like they at least didn't go into the suitcase with me to go on the trip but.
0: Well, I guess that's a step forward, but you need to follow your own advice. And yes. Joy was your idea. You brought it to the attention <laughs> of everyone and here you go failing. Yeah. Well, I thought
1: I had done such a good job, you know, because I, I painstakingly went through everything, but I think I really only hit one of my closets, not both of my closets. And I know that sounds very pretentious that I have two closets, but really not. One of the closets is basically in the basement, you know, in a unused closet. And so I must have just filtered my main closet. And then when I started shifting things, it's like, ah, what was I thinking? This is not sparking joy for me. I've got to get rid of
0: it. And then I hung it back up and it's like, dang it, Suzanne, get rid of that. You don't like it. Well, Suzanne, after this season, the summer season, when you get back into switching your closets over. You'll have to do this whole Sparking Joy experiment again, and then we can revisit it and have another episode on Sparking Joy.
1: We could. I think we will have to. Yeah. And just for the record, the Sparking Joy was not my original idea. I did a springboard off of Sparking Joy based on Marie Kondo's book, Sparking Joy.
0: (laughs) Correct. And I couldn't remember her name, so I knew you would fill in the details if I just fed you my thought process.
1: Yeah. So anyway, but moving on, I'm glad that your mom has still been thinking about that episode. I got a lot of positive feedback. I'm glad. And we will. We'll have some fun conversations about it.
0: Yes. I can't wait until after the wedding where we get to discuss all the craziness that goes on there, because, you know, with this group of people, there are going to be some scenes to (laughs) report on. I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. It will be fun. But we'll have to change the names to protect the not so innocent <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the people causing issues. That's right. And there's always someone. <laughs> there's always someone and we'll be putting um, eyes on those people because we do have to have security there and we have a we have to have a police officer present for the time of the reception. Are you joking? Is that true? I am not joking. That is 100 percent true. Wow, <laughs> I know, I know they're going to be watching us. I hate that. But, yikes, you know, yikes! I'm not expecting criminal behavior. I'm just oh, expecting no. a couple scenes.
1: Yeah, I'm and I'm sure there will be. I'll I'll try to stay out of the scene causing episodes.
0: Yes, and of course I can talk about this now and my concerns because by the time everybody hears this podcast, the wedding will already be over. So. We'll come back and then... Yeah.
1: And we'll see if your predictions are correct. I feel like they might be, but... um...
0: Yes. So, yeah, we're in the... um, Just so everyone knows, we are in the crunch time for the wedding and I am feeling the stress of it. Mm -hmm. I am not a very nice person right now. (laughs) I'm snappy and I'm turning 50 and yeah, I feel like a bitch on wheels this week. Oh, (laughs) loving it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's no surprise. I know those big events, no matter what they are, crunch time is crunch time. It's stressful for everyone involved.
0: Yeah. And if I was going to really bitch about something, Suzanne, it would have to be at you because you suggested a seating chart and that mother's giving me a headache.
1: But I think when I suggested it, I warned you. I'm pretty sure I said it was the hardest part of planning was that seating chart. And we went round and round and round. I mean, we probably did 10 versions of the seating chart before we said done. So it's tough. It's just tough. and But it's all going to be good. And you know what the best thing about this is? When it's all over, you're not going to remember the stress that you're feeling right now. You're going to remember how fun the wedding was and you're going to feel great about it. No matter what the glitches are, no matter what the drama is, no matter what the (laughs) scenes become, you're still going to have great memories of it.
0: And you know, another piece of drama that came out just because I'm hoping other people who have planned weddings can relate. So I told you uh, last week, that Eva and the wedding planner went to meet with the venue Mm -hmm. and his notes were scattered. And so I sent a follow-up email and I got a response from him. Oh. And the response was basically, had a wonderful meeting with Eva and Jackie, everything set up as far as time-wise, we're going to send you an invoice for that extra hour of time, you owe us $800 for it. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so, I and got, yeah, I know. I went and got that contract and I took a picture of it because it says we have the venue from five o'clock till 10 o'clock. And I sent him a message and I said, I don't know what you're talking about because it says five to 10 in my contract. So what's this extra hour? And then he wanted to charge me for upgraded alcohol, which, hey, I asked for it. But they have not told me what they're upgrading it to. It could be an upgrade from Texas wine to. Yeah, that's I don't know. Box wine. I don't know what I'm paying for.
1: (laughs) Okay, I love how you said an upgrade from Texas wine to box (laughs) wine.
0: I'm sorry, that probably wasn't nice. And I'm probably pissing off anyone who lives in Texas. That's hilarious. And I haven't, (laughs) I haven't consumed Texas wine. I am just such a California wine person. I'm a California wine snob. And so when I think of Texas wine, I think of it as just everyday. but it might be very good. I really don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But I think that's probably the best comment I've heard in weeks. (laughs) weeks. <laughs> We're upgrading.
0: Maybe I should cut that out. No, of no don't <laughs> cut it out. That's hilarious. I love it. I love Great. it. Great. Now I am going to be kicking myself <laughs> in the ass all okay, so- thinking I have offended the whole state of Texas, which was <laughs> yeah. not my intention.
1: Okay. But so where did it end up? So did he cut the extra hour out of your car? Con- I mean, he did he cut that extra invoice out then and is he going to provide you with a list of upgraded
0: alcohol well let me just check my phone because I haven't received a message from him back about it yet (laughs) Yeah, he drops this bomb like on Thursday and it's now Monday and he still hasn't replied to me wow was right, because the next step is handing the phone to Rob and letting him deal with it, and it will not be so nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Although, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. If you heard from him on Thursday, maybe he had another event that he had over the weekend, and maybe he takes Sundays off after his Friday-Saturday event. And so you will probably hear from him today.
0: Yeah, that could be. Yeah, And I hope it's the right answer I hear back from him, because I'm not giving... Venue, another $800. Yeah, I will. I will pay to upgrade my alcohol. I just want to know what it is I'm paying for. So
1: absolutely.
0: I'll just leave that frustration, let it fly out the door. And then we can talk about something else like maybe our topic today. Yeah, which I think it's a good day for this topic. I would agree. So do you want to introduce it since it was your idea? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will. Are you good at taking criticism? That is our topic.
0: Okay. Well, before we get any further into it, according to google.com, I looked up the definition of criticism. It's a noun and it says, it is the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. That's definition number one. Definition number two, along the same lines the analysis and judgment of the merits and faults of a literary or artistic work. I think we're talking more about
1: the first one. We are talking about the first one. And I think that the second one is the original definition, in my mind, of what criticism is. And criticism has just evolved into the general world. And somehow that second definition has given people license to say, oh, well, if you can critique a piece of art or a piece of literature, then I should be able to critique anything you're doing that I don't agree with. I have an issue with criticism.
0: I do too. I I have like my categories of criticism. I have like my criticism that I will take well and is welcomed. And I have criticism in times that it is inappropriate or where I don't take it so well. Okay. So
1: tell me what you When do you take it well?
0: I take criticism well when I'm new at something and I am learning, and someone is trying to give me advice on how to make the project easier or more mainstream or more functional, I guess is a better word. So, if I'm new at something and taking advice and guiding, I I take it well then. If it is truly meant in a constructive nature, something that I am doing that there's a way to do it
1: better. See, and I think of that more as feedback, not criticism. When I hear the word criticism, it really evokes a negative feeling in me. It certainly isn't sparking any joy in me. (laughs) And so, yeah, when you're learning, like say when I took a yoga class and I couldn't get a position exactly right. And she said, you know, just straighten your arm or lift your leg differently or make your leg parallel with the floor. I don't consider that something like that criticism. I consider that feedback.
0: Okay. And I guess you could almost, and let me know what you think about this. You could almost change out feedback and constructive criticism. That's kind of how I take it. When anybody gives me feedback, I consider it constructive criticism. And maybe that's just a mental thing in my mind. I, and I believe feedback sounds so much better. So I really like that. And that has given me something to think about moving forward.
1: Well, and so here you have touched on a point about criticism that I was going to make later on in our podcast, but I'm going to make it right now because you, you've used the word constructive criticism several times. And in my opinion, <laughs> when you stick the word constructive in front of the word criticism, I feel like it's masking or giving you the permission to criticize, and it's still criticism. And to say that it's constructive criticism is somehow justifying your right to criticize. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think then it becomes feedback if you're giving feedback okay and maybe maybe i'm dealing with semantics here maybe i'm just i have such strong feelings about the word criticism that i i really can't find any good <laughs> in criticism based on its definition
0: right i like the way that you look at it much better i would much prefer the word feedback than constructive criticism. I just had never put two and two together. I feel like in, especially a, a professional sense, right? constructive criticism feels like the appropriate word just because they're trying to groom you into something and get you there, but feedback works too.
1: And maybe this is just me, but when someone starts a sentence with, um, do you mind if I give you a little constructive criticism? Don't your red flags immediately go up don't you immediately feel a sense of being put on the defensive? Like, okay, okay, I'm ready, you know? But all of a sudden you have, I i shouldn't say you, I have this feeling of, uh, here we go, here it comes. And then you have to take what they say and <laughs> trying to find the constructive part of it. So yeah, I really struggle with that. Now, every time someone faces you and says, you know, do you mind if I give you a little constructive criticism? Yeah, you've probably never taken that the way I've taken it. And now you're going to hear my little voice in your head saying, um, ooh, here it comes and get on the defensive because that's what I do.
0: (laughs) It's going to be screaming, actually, I'm in here.
1: Yeah. Like I said, that word constructive describing criticism is just a way that someone's justifying critiquing you.
0: I do agree that when someone comes to me and says, hey, can I give you a little constructive criticism? My response is probably like, hey, and feeling a little bit put on guard, like I have to wait for what's coming because I know it's going to be something I've done not up to standard or not in the way that they would like to see it. Right.
1: To their liking, which leads me into a whole nother issue about criticism. But
0: Right. And I really like to learn. And I like people being direct with me. I, I never really take it in a bad way, unless it's backhanded in some way. Or if it's okay, well, let me just go over my list of oh, good uh, criticism just real quick. I, I do okay with constructive criticism, because I, I really do feel at the end of the day, the person's trying to help in some way, shape or form. But I could easily change that to feedback and be just as happy. I do not like criticism given to me and anger. If somebody is yelling at me about something and at that point want to criticize me, don't do it because I don't accept it. I don't want to hear it in a moment of anger. I also don't want to hear it when someone is just trying to be mean. There's no other reason to say it other than you want to be mean. And I have examples for all of this stuff. And I do not like criticism when somebody is hiding behind a computer screen and they feel like they can say whatever they want and it won't have consequences or it keeps them back from the blow that you're giving other other people. I do not like criticism in any way, shape, or form when it comes like that. I mean, I guess it's kind of like that saying where people say sweatpants, alcohol, and kids always tell the truth.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. In
0: moments of anger, I mean. They're just reaching for something to just throw at you mad just to be mean.
1: Right. Just to get their point across or to get the upper hand. And I agree. And you know, when email <laughs> when email first became a thing, which really dates me, I know, but I've had a lot of conversations with my sister-in-laws in particular. They gave me really good advice. They say, never send a drunk or an angry email. <laughs> and so in the few times in my life where I have sent an email in anger, or I've sent an email when I've had too much to drink, I have regretted it every time. And I think that you make a really, really good point when you say a lot of people can hide behind their computer screen, and they can let out all of their frustration and all of their pent-up hostility in an email because you're not facing that person. And you're kind of sending it out there into, you know, some cyberspace. And so I think that's a really, really good point. So my rule is, I can write a really angry email, I just don't hit send until the next day. Because usually I come back the next day and read it and really tone down what I'm saying, or I delete it altogether. Soften the delivery. Yes, absolutely. So I really like that you brought that one up because I hadn't even thought about that.
0: Well, I kind of got burned and I really don't want to go political, but there was some drama in my family this past May and June with everything going on and different political beliefs. And you know me, Suzanne, I will listen to what anyone has to say and I see all shades of gray. And so if you sit down and talk to me about your point, I can be like, okay, I see where you're coming from. And someone in the family or close to the family started putting all this stuff on social media that was provoking hate. It wasn't even like you could hear his point anymore because all you could hear was the hate. And I just said, okay, I can't do this. And I unfriended him. And then I got this message from him. And in this message, he criticized me for not being a person that could hear the opinions and points of view of other people. And you know what? That was such bullshit criticism that it, it crushed me. You don't even know me that well. And you're saying this, ask anybody who knows me, if I will listen to your point of view and respect it, because I absolutely do. It's who I am. And so I was really offended. So I guess that's my situation. And maybe I will edit all this out because I don't want to go political, but it was a situation in which my character was called into question and I was criticized. And called into question unfairly. And I think that's
1: another problem with criticism is that the word itself somehow allows... A person to call into question character if they don't agree with it. And I hope you don't edit that out of our podcast, because I think it's a really important message, because we saw so much of that in the last year and a half. I think the pent up frustration with COVID, plus the pent up frustration with our government, and this idea of that If we all get angry enough, things will change. And it's a dangerous approach to use anger as our vehicle to improve things. And because then I think people start lashing out at each other personally, and then call it criticism, like somehow it's okay to criticize. So I, I think you make a really valid point. And I'm so sorry it happened to you. Because I think whoever it was that attacked you in that way really was very misguided at the time, but was so caught up in his own anger and frustration that he felt the need to lash out at you personally. And that's where it becomes really disappointing.
0: Right. And that goes back to anything, if somebody is going to sit behind a computer screen you know, somewhere where they're not actually looking at people face to face and seeing the reactions that they are having. I mean, that takes like a bunch of humanity out of the whole equation because you're launching this into the world and it is having an effect that is not positive. And I know this is a little off topic, but not really. I'm just saying, you know, to sit back behind a computer screen, not wanting to be part of the action, but criticizing what everybody does, you're not helping the problem. You're just inciting more discontent. Exactly.
1: But I think it's a really good point you make. And I don't really think it's political. So, because I it's know, not
0: always political. I mean, it could happen to anything right. you hear about. I think about, it's an easy
1: trap to fall into. You hear about armchair quarterbacks, you know, people who are sitting behind a TV screen screaming at the TV because their favorite football team is losing and they know every solution to fix the situation. So it's not just political. It's just easy to do. But when you're yelling at a football game, it's a totally different thing than when you're directing it directly at one person.
0: Right. And you can look at this in any cases. And again, it doesn't have to be just political. You have a lot of cyber bullying that leads to children really being harmed because they're just throwing it out and they're not thinking about the person on the other end receiving it. It's almost like they're is avatar the right word or they're not real in that moment and that they can just throw that out there and not see the damage that's done. And so I don't like that type of criticism at all. And it just makes me sick to my stomach. It does.
1: And I was thinking about this now, I think, and I agree with you. I think you, you take criticism very well and you, you, you try to make it constructive I, on the other hand, do not take it well. I want to believe that I take it well, but I don't. I always take it very personally. It always really hurts my feelings. And I was thinking about when we were, when I was kind of mulling over what points I wanted to make on our podcast. I was thinking back. Do I remember the very first time I was criticized? My earliest criticism that I took. <laughs> and I can. I. I think because I was seven years old. I can safely put this girl's name out there. Her name was Sherry and we were in first grade and her insult to me was, um, (laughs) this is so stupid. Um, She said, you look like someone who could wet their pants all the time. (laughs) And it broke my heart that she said that to me. I was humiliated. I was upset. I remember crying to my mom. I was seven. Gosh. (laughs) I am now 50 years older than that. And I still remember that is the first thing of criticism that I remember. And I guess that's not really criticism. I think that's more just throwing insults at, you know, but that's a seven year old version of criticism. So, as much as I'd like to say I can take criticism, When people offer me criticism, constructive or otherwise, I really take it to heart and it usually is pretty biting. And I usually take it as an insult. And I actually just had recently a moment to give one of the girls that worked for me and she, bless her heart, I love her to death. And she was really good at what she did in my store. But I felt like I saw a lot of myself in her. She t- she takes criticism to heart and she's very sensitive. And when you're dealing with the public, criticism gets thrown at you all the time. And you, you really do have to learn how to get a tough skin and let it roll off of you. And she eventually quit. And so in kind of an exit interview, my advice to her was take criticism as an asset instead of an insult. And I think if we can do that with criticism, we're all so much better because it doesn't hurt so bad when you, if someone's giving you criticism about something, you can say, okay, how do I change that image of me? How do I change that perception of me? How can I do that better? And um, I think you do that really well. I don't think I do. I think it just becomes an insult to me and I have my feelings hurt.
0: Right. I I was listening to everything that you said and I just kept thinking, I must have really broad shoulders because I know that I had criticism directed at me, you know, at different times throughout childhood and adulthood, but not to the point where I could go back and pinpoint that moment, that piece of criticism that really hurt my feelings. I can't do that. And I think in the moment after I'm criticized in some way, now if it's out of anger again or Used in defense of something like pulled from my past and it's brought up, like those will cause me pause because I feel they're really unwarranted. But usually, after a good night's sleep, you know, they're in the back of my mind. I think about what they are and can move forward, being mindful of if that is something I feel I need to correct. And and again, and yeah, talk to me in anger and throw something out, you're going to get a reaction. Okay, well, and here's another, because the other thing with criticism, don't you feel
1: like sometimes criticism really blindsides you, even when it's considered constructive criticism, which is another reason why I struggle with it, because my comebacks aren't always there. And I always feel like somehow I need to defend my actions or I have to defend why i did something the way i did it when someone criticizes me but when you're blindsided by it it's really hard to come up with those explanations of why you did something or why you have gone down this road or to just defend your case and then you get in a situation where you beat yourself up over it when you when you're away from the situation and you i know you've heard me say this a couple times Where someone has criticized me, and I will go back to it time. And I just had five minutes with that person. I just need five more minutes with that person because I never had the opportunity to engage in conversation about it because I was blindsided by it. You usually don't see the criticism coming, it just usually hits you. (laughs) Remember the Christmas party we were both at when, you know, the, the woman sat down next to me, and, oh, yeah, you know, direct criticism and I never saw it coming. She sat down, she started out very nice. And then bam, she hit me with criticism. To this day, I think if I only had five minutes with her, I've never seen her again. But if I only had had five minutes with her, so I could have stated my case or tried to explain or something,
0: Well, I can make that happen. I know who the person is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At some point, I got to move on. What That had to have been, what, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, and I'm still hanging on to it. Let it go, Suzanne. Let it go.
0: There's a piece of criticism, like you're talking about, blindside, that I do actually remember because I was caught so off guard, and I was doing something nice. Uh, We had a friend who was getting married, so a couple of us were planning the bridal shower. I believe it was a bridal shower. And the theme of it was going to be Sex in the City. And each one of us were gonna buy lingerie for one of the characters there. Do you remember this party, Suzanne? Was I at this party? Yeah, you (laughs) who do you think brought in the sex in the city?
1: Oh did I? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So anyhow we were we're doing this and I was trying to pick out a piece of lingerie and I'm like, well I'll get this lingerie and then I'll get this cute little thing to go with it and this cute little thing. And I was telling one of the other hostesses the idea about it. And she said, Michelle, you always go overboard. You don't need to go overboard a piece of lingerie. That's it. And I was like, okay. And so it really did give me a moment of pause. And in that moment, I felt really bad and beat myself up like, oh, I know what else she's referring to. And maybe I went overboard and I didn't consider other people's budgets. And that was really bad of me. And so I really did take that to heart. And I did learn from it, but I really don't like being the person elected to go get gifts for people anymore because I don't want people to think that I'm spending too much or spending too little. I just really hate it.
1: I hate it now.
0: Well, yeah. And really,
1: frankly, I think that criticism was uncalled for and it changed you. It changed you in a way that something you enjoy doing now you don't necessarily enjoy doing anymore because of one person's piece of criticism.
0: Right. And I really think she was doing it just to let me know because it was a group gift and everybody was going in on it and they thought I was spending too much on my share of it, which they would have to spend more on. So I I get where they were coming from. But again, it's a message that stuck with me and I'm not defending it either way, but It's like, it did give me a moment of pause. And I have thought about that a lot since that happened.
1: Right. And so, yeah, I guess it's just, it's a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around. And you know what? And I am probably the queen of criticism. I probably criticize people more than anyone else. And and I've actually really tried to, as I've gotten older, recognize that what I'm saying comes across as being critical and judgmental, because I think I also think there's a fine line between criticism and passing judgment on people. And I always go back to what I said <laughs> to my children when we were they were growing up is, what good purpose does that serve? So I try to now stop myself <laughs> before spewing criticism at someone. And I I try to ask myself that question, what good purpose does this serve? And is the purpose of the criticism just to get my point of view across? Is the purpose of the criticism just to make myself feel better? Or am I really doing that person any good by criticizing what they're doing? Is it really serving a good purpose? Probably not.
0: Well, if it makes positive change or change that's necessary for the function of the group, like let's say your work situation, if you have one person doing it completely different, it's going to throw all the employees off and give them the wrong idea or the wrong perception of how things should go to make it a cohesive unit.
1: Okay. But unless I'm the boss or the owner, it's not my place to do that. It's not my place to make that decision for the company. It would be the person in charge. And in my case, when it's my store, but then I don't consider it criticism either. I consider it, hey, this is how we do it because it's my decision.
0: But while you consider it feedback or this is the way we do it, they may take it as criticism. So it's got that double-edged sword kind of to it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Which you're, you're not saying it to be mean or anything. This is just how it works for the greatest good of the shop. These are the procedures we follow. We have reasons for them. Right.
1: Well, and I guess that that's okay, because this would go to my next point. So who has the right in your life to offer you criticism?
0: Well, that's a very interesting question. I will tell you, I, I do have a critic in my life, and she's a nasty little bitch.
1: And <laughs> guy, I, name, hope,
0: I hope it's not me. <laughs> her name is Michelle. It's my self-critic. So believe me, everybody out there, as much as you could throw on me or criticize me for i have already heard it and it lives in a a state of cycling
1: <laughs> right so
0: yeah for me i am my very own worst critic i go over everything and i am very aware of the areas i need to to work on and move forward so it, it's constantly there so i might forget what your question was oh who who has the right to criticize yeah who
1: who has the right to criticize you.
0: Okay, other than myself, you know, I do listen to what my parents say. My mom was one who naturally always fell behind me and had my back no matter and no matter what. Right. But my dad was a little more discerning and when he spoke up and had something to say, I really listened cuz he didn't do it a whole lot. And so it just was different. I mean, is that feedback? Is that criticism? No, it's something you need to look at. So we could use that term too. If my kids have something to say, I'll listen. I I really listen to what everybody has to say. And I prefer people who are direct over people who beat around the bush. I don't think I'm answering your question. (laughs) Kind of, I'm trying to answer your question. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and I guess in my world, my
1: husband has the right to criticize me. I'm fortunate that I have a husband who doesn't criticize me very often and so when he throws out a criticism I better pay attention because he really is a very patient and loving person and he sees the best in people so for him to criticize anyone or anything you know it's something you better pay attention to so I I believe very
0: much like my dad I understand that yes
1: right and i believe my dad was very much like that as well um i also will accept criticism from my mom just because i think it's kind of like a boss you know she was the one that gave birth to me she was the one that raised me she wanted to raise me in the best possible way so that i would become a good person and live my best life so When she sees me doing something, even to this day, that she doesn't like and she criticizes me, I think I have to accept it because in my world, she's earned that right to criticize me. Probably my very closest friends, although they better tread lightly or they won't be my closest friends anymore. Too much criticism from a good friend turns into, uh, I don't want to be around that person anymore
0: is that a warning to Michelle? Ad no, no. lightly. No, 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 no. Because you don't you never
1: criticize. I I don't I don't know if I can ever come to one one instance where I've heard you criticize anyone or anything, not just me, but anyone. So, yeah, so I think I can safely say that with you in the room <laughs> because yeah, because you don't criticize. Um okay, and I would say probably a boss because again, They've earned that right
0: as my boss to
1: criticize me. So
0: yeah, I think that's about it. What happens when, um, and you can decline to talk about this, but we had talked about it a little bit earlier. So what happens when you are the boss and you find out an employee is making comments that aren't true and undermining you? We did just talk about this because I recently had an employee um,
1: who said to someone else um, so I got the information secondhand. So I don't know how much of it is accurate and which is what I think you have to do. I think you have to put it in perspective and keep it in perspective. I also think that you, ha- I have to, I shouldn't say you, I have to look at what they've said about me and f- see if I can find any truth in it. So the comments she made to another employee of mine, supposedly, were that I was scatterbrained. <laughs> that I was disengaged and that I was unorganized. Now, of those three criticisms, I would accept unorganized as probably the most truthful and the one that I can probably improve on, although I consider myself a very organized person. But I think I have to really take pause and I really have to think about why those comments were made. But it was very hurtful and I'm still hurting about it. I'm still um, struggling with it.
0: Right. And I didn't mean to bring up anything that would... No, I think it's good. Cause you to feel that way. But we had talked about it and... um, Right. And I think if someone is going to...
1: If an employee wants to criticize me, although, God, I have so much to say about this. I think that if they have criticisms, they need to bring them directly to me. But I think that's maybe an unfair thing to expect. Because if I'm their employer, I think that's an incredibly challenging thing to have to do is go to that employer and say, here's what I think you're doing wrong. Or here's my opinion of you. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think any employee is going to go to their boss and say, here's my opinion of you. Really? You're scatterbrained. You're disengaged.
0: (laughs) Well, Yeah, that is true. And it's probably just venting over one situation and, you know, just having that coworker to vent to, but still it's hurtful when it comes back to your ears and you're not going to forget it. And you're going to remember when she has her future employer send you a letter of reference. I mean, it may reflect back there that. (laughs) Well, it will. How can it not? I mean, now that is a part of the history the two of you have. Well, that's, God, you said that so well.
1: You're so right, because that became part of the history that we had. And yeah, and I frankly thought we had a better history than that until those words came back to me. But again, I have to remember, first of all, that they were secondhand. They came to me secondhand. I never heard it directly. So I have to take what I heard with a grain of salt. But then I also have to heed the advice that I gave another employee and say, okay, I'm going to take this criticism as an asset, not an insult. No matter how it was given, no matter how it was said, I have to look at it as an asset. I have to say, okay, here are the places that maybe I do look disorganized. Here are the places where I may become across as scatterbrained. Here are the places where I may seem disengaged. And how am I going to change that image of me? how do I improve on that? Let's make it an asset instead of an insult.
0: You make it an asset. And one of the things that is coming to my mind right now, as you talk about that is doing some shadow work and going into those areas and into those comments and really examining where they come from, where you feel like the roots started. And instead of dismissing them or ignoring them, Find what the root was and then accept maybe that's part of who you are and then be mindful moving forward. I love shadow work. I'm sorry. Again, that's with my intuitive training and everything.
1: But I agree. And I think I've hit on something when I say, let's take criticism as an asset, not as an insult, because I think you're right. Because if you take it as an asset, you're going to do shadow work like you're describing and you're going to reflect on it and you're going to say, okay, yeah, I can see where I maybe did come across this way in several instances. How how do I grow from that? How do I improve from that?
0: I love this. I, uh, shadow work is not easy, but it's worth it. It
1: is worth it. And and that's just it. It's like, okay, so we can take this very negative topic and turn it into a positive. And don't you feel like we're once again, sparking joy by doing that? <laughs>
0: I think so. But I will just say when you read me the topic, I didn't necessarily take it as a negative topic. I just took it as a topic to discuss because I thought it was fascinating when I started to break it down to who, who is my worst critic, which is myself, and how I deal with it. And then to hear how you deal with it in that different perspective, I have
1: learned a lot. And it's interesting because when you talked about being your own worst critic, and I also say that to my children a lot, my grown children, and I've said it more to them as adults than I did to them when they were children, but I said, you're your own worst critic. And it's like, don't be so hard on yourself, accept who you are and what you do as good. And I laugh because this is a big part of my problem because when I look at myself, I think, am I my own worst critic? You know, And it never occurred to me to think of myself that way. Am I my own worst critic? And my answer would have to be no, which is probably why it's easy to criticize me. <laughs> because someone's looking at me like, God, someone's got to give that girl some good criticism because she's got she's to gotta straighten her life out. <laughs>
0: Okay, what you just said is so fascinating to me because when I was thinking of self-critic, I'm like, yeah, Suzanne's gonna know what I'm talking about, but you really don't.
1: Yeah, I just, when I think about it, I, I kind of blissfully go through life thinking everything I do is the right thing to do. You know, it's like, I remember this when I dropped out of college, which I went back to, but I remember having the conversation with my mom because she was very upset with me. And she was upset with me for me because she thought it was a mistake I was doing. And she said, Suzanne, you are going to regret it. You are going to regret dropping out of college. And I remember saying to my mom, mom, I don't live with regret. It's like I make a decision and I do it. And I live with the decision I make. I have very few regrets in my life. And I it kind of goes back to that. It's like, I look at what I do and I live with the choices I make and I'm satisfied with them. Wow, you and Rob, both of you. Oh, so that's probably why Rob and I get along so well. So I am not a self-critic, even though I maybe on a bad day would consider myself my own worst critic. I really don't, if that makes any sense to you. I really feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> I can't believe it, I, said <laughs> I said that and, out loud. It makes a lot of sense.
0: I said that out loud. You know, this This episode is sparking so much creativity, just thinking about future episodes. Like, I'm really starting to feel like I want to open up about my views on intuition and my views yes, on how to work. You should. that all works and plays into the larger picture, and I have wonderful people I know who could guest on shadow work because they know a lot about it. And it really does make a difference in your approach to life. And like, I just feel like we completely open this whole door now and people might see more of the real Michelle coming out.
1: I agree. And I think it's, that would be a great topic road to go down for us because I am a firm believer in intuition, although I don't understand it to the level you do because you have actually learned and delved deep into what intuition means. But I have my own version of intuition and I firmly believe in it. And it goes back to what I'm saying about not being my own self-critic because I believe in what, if I follow my instincts, if I believe in my intuition, I usually am happy with the choices I make.
0: Yep. And it can go deep, I'm sure. And I can scare a couple people. No, I won't scare them. Just be like, I didn't know there was a side to Michelle, but there is. And yeah, it'll be fun. It will be fun. I think you're right. I think we have
1: some good topics coming up.
0: Yes. But the very next episode after this one is the one we will talk about the wedding because we are taking a little bit of a recording hiatus, although you wouldn't know it unless... You, meaning the podcast audience, wouldn't know it unless I just mentioned it here. But the very next episode after this one will be about the wedding. Yes, it will. And everything that happened.
1: <laughs> and your birthday. We'll have to talk about your birthday because you've been anticipating your birthday for for a little while.
0: Yeah. But I'm over that now. It's every plan I've tried to put together has (laughs) fallen apart. And my birthday is in like four days. And so I'm just going to go with the flow and celebrate throughout the year. I guess that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to celebrate with you throughout the year.
0: Yes, you are. And we already have some things on the books to do that. So yay. I know. It's exciting. Well, do you have anything else to share today about criticism, self-criticism?
1: Oh, Don't you feel like we've beaten this topic into the ground? Did you know we could spend a whole hour talking about criticism?
0: Oh, I had no doubt we could. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, I think I've said all I need to say about it. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) and I'm almost there. The only other type of, um, and I forgot to say this earlier, criticism that drives me nuts is that passive-aggressive type of criticism. Oh,
1: you're so right. I can't
0: believe that didn't come up where it's kind of um, just insinuated, but left out, not said, insinuated, yes. but not said, and yes. pressured, Ugh. but not pressured. So yeah, hate that also. That is a good one. I mean, we have a little
1: bit of time if you want to expand on that. Do you have an example of passive aggressive criticism?
0: I don't have an example right off the top of my head, but I'm trying to think like I'll get a, a text message or something that's like, well, I do have a good example, but i <laughs> <laughs> Probably can't use it. Might hurt someone's feelings. Like I appreciate people being direct and I don't like to feel like people are tiptoeing around me or changing perspectives in order to get the point across. I think
1: um, you touch on a really good point when you talk about passive aggressiveness. And I just had a thought about an example of passive aggressiveness that really is a criticism. And actually it was something that I did because as you know, I've already admitted to, I've taken ownership of being a a person who criticizes and I probably use passive aggressive criticism very well. And someone had once, God, I can be such a bitch. I'm just saying. Someone once brought a bottle of wine to my house and God, I I don't even know if I want to go down this road. I'm ashamed to admit that I opened the wine and the bottle was bad. It was a bad bottle. And instead of just sucking it up and drinking the wine, I said, oh, this is a really bad bottle of wine. Do you mind if we drink something else? And I could tell I hurt that person's feelings when I said that. And it's like, God, why did I do that? I'm such an idiot. And I felt like that was a very passive aggressive way to criticize that person over something that they had no control over.
0: So Suzanne, at that moment, I get why you did what you did, because you were probably thinking, why would I or wine you didn't enjoy? Why would
1: I drink a wine I don't enjoy?
0: Yes. I don't know how else you could have got around it. Maybe like when that person wasn't looking, go and dump it down the sink. I, I don't know a better way to do it. Yeah. But- if you're not enjoying it. I know, but it, that was
1: very, it was more than just passive aggressive. It was stupid. Again, I'm hanging on that one one instance and it probably isn't even the best example of being passive aggressive. But like I said, I own that I, in the past, especially I have been highly critical of people and and I do know how to be passive aggressive as well. And all things that I should pay attention to moving forward. But I'm glad you brought up that point though, because I would have completely forgotten that and come back to that later. I think that passive aggressive criticism is the worst.
0: And I agree. And so maybe our assignment moving forward over the next couple of weeks is to just think of one instance or one time when passive aggressive Criticism affected you, and then we can share it in a future episode, or we can forget about it, move on. Yeah. And um, we'll try not to just, forget about it, but I agree with you. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have loved this episode. I really have learned so much. Yeah. You don't have a self critic, and to use the word feedback instead of constructive criticism, I like both those things. I do too. The knowledge of both those things. <laughs> yeah. I feel really good about it. Yeah. So I guess with all that shared, I'm just going to say, cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years.
1: And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality.
0: Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting, the biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know everything about podcasting kind of guy. And the best part for us was that he was so nice and down to earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers.